Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 603, being recorded on October 28, 2020. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath, and you know what? I have actually cleaned my wife's desk it's this gorgeous. week, and somehow, somehow, I even cleaned up my room. I mean, all the boxes are gone, a lot of trash is off the floor, but... The helmets are lined up I just up can't nicely. win. I can't win. I still got the Ripper XXL, not to be confused with Threadripper. Anyway, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I went off on a tangent. I was just saying your helmets are like lined up nicely. Oh, maybe it's and Brett. And it's Brett next. Yeah. I've forgotten who I am. No, I'm Brett. <laughs> I'm That's Brett. Brett. Van Spruenberg <laughs> himself. <laughs> Uh, you can subscribe to our mailing list to find out when we go live for events like this live podcast recording session by going to pcper.com uh, slash subscribe. I think we also have a link to subscribe in each podcast show note we do. on the site. So just do that. Um, during the podcast. Yeah. And uh, you can go to patreon.com slash pcper to help support the arts, the art of podcasting, the art of uh, reviewing content it's all in the name of content live streaming that sort of thing uh paying the bills do we have a burger update josh where is no that? oh no th- there was a water main break downtown and so the burger place was actually closed today instead i had to take a picture of our puppy i, I came out of the bathroom and there she was i hope she was comfortable on the guest bed with the nest that she had uh had built darn dogs she's like 14 15 weeks old now smart blue healer likes to chew on everything so yeah there's the uh there's mm-hmm. the update it's a blue healer all right oh she's 100 percent blue healer look at those bat ears yep. she's got the left patch just like all the uh all the cool football players these days wearing the <laughs> black thing under their left eye shifting immediately into the news did you know that amd held a special live event on their YouTube channel today. Anyway, Radeon, AMD, announced today on a live event uh, the RX... Well, they already announced it, but they detailed it. They detailed the RX 6000 series lineup. The short version is that there are three GPUs currently announced, the 6800, 6800 XT, and 6900 XT. All three have 16 gigabytes of GDDR6 memory, they have high clocks, not quite as high as some of the rumors, but there's a little bit more to the clock story there. Boost clocks of up to 2,250 megahertz for the top two SKUs and then uh, up to 2,105 for the 6,800. TDPs look okay. Total board power, I should say, TBP. 300 watts for the top two SKUs, 250 watts for the 6800 but again there's more to the story and then launch pricing 579 for the 6800 649 for the 6800 XT 999 for the 6900 XT which is coming later the other two launch uh it's expected launch date is November 18 for the bottom two SKUs with the big Navi RX 6900 XT launching on December 8th, or at least that's the expected launch date. So, you know. But that hey. is some nicely binned silicon. Mm. Mm. At the high end there. Mm. It's probably why they've got an extra, what, two or three weeks? 
Hmm. Yes. Well, okay. I, so yeah. you know what? What do you think, guys, about the Infinity Cache, about smart access memory, and about their uh, what is it? Rage mode. The one-click overclock Rage mode. mode. Rage mode. Yeah. This is a huge it's, jump. They're talking about a two-time, like a two-x performance jump over the previous <clears throat> gen. Yeah. If you look at that. So if there's some alien cache, DNA in this RDNA. <laughs> the Infinity Cache is uh what is it, 128 meg all on chip? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's uh very uh interesting of them to dedicate so many transistors to that, but it's really paying off because they've been able to slim down their bus to go with GDDR6 instead of 6X and to dedicate less power to their memory subsystem. You can see it's working for them, and their stated total board power rates versus NVIDIA. Well, that's, a, that's a lot of transistors, though, for cash. Yeah. It you is. you got to really balance that out. I mean, would they have done better if, if dropping that down to uh, 64 megs and increasing uh, compute units? Interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's it's um, there's a lot going on there, and... Uh, but I, I do I do find you know how that they're leveraging this cache to be, you know it's a, it's a brute force thing because cache does take up a lot of power, uh, and the mm-hmm. CPU it's one of the most you know power hungry things you mm-hmm. got on the Ryzen five thousand series you got thirty two megs of cache per per chiplet, and yeah that takes up a significant amount of uh, of your uh, your TDP, uh, but at the same time. You don't have to do a lot of, you know, main memory stuff. And not only that, but you got prefetch that's also working to fill up that 128 megs with stuff that you need uh, right when you need it. So it's, it's the, you know, it's, it's a lot of juggling going on to, uh, to get that to work. And the smart access memory is really fascinating. We haven't been detailed a whole lot about no. this. All we know is that... It's a way for the CPU to address the memory inside the graphics processor, uh, the the GPU rather. So you've got 16 gigs of graphics memory that the Ryzen 5000 series can access directly, essentially through the PCI 4.0 bus. But they haven't really told us much about how it actually does this, what the real um, impact is, and in what you know kind of usage scenarios that it's going to be a positive now. I guess uh, the the graphics memory aperture that has been there for ages for like the CPU is like 250 megs, 256 right. megabyte. 256, yep. That's the PCIe yeah. bus window of opportunity mm-hmm. of memory addressable block. So this gets around that because they control the yeah. platform and the CPU. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to enable this in the BIOS. You boot it up. It's, it's transparent for the application and... Uh, and the OS, but I'm pretty sure that the driver has a whole lot to do with uh, uh, moving memory around oh, and how it accesses yeah. it. In the addressability from the CPU, my guess it's only to main memory on the card. And again, this is rumor. Well, they unless said they, it's going to be unless they got some strange OEC yeah. thing with the. Uh, hmm. Oh, um, uh, it's basically how how the CPUs communicate with each other and how they write to each other's caches. Um, all of that stuff, and of course, you know, I used to know this 
like the back of my hand, but then I got old and I forget everything. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's a cash coherency uh, concept, and we don't know if if that is implemented with this. And I and I even hesitate mm. to think about or even saying, oh, it's definitely this because yeah cash coherency between a gpu and a cpu is has been problematic in the past so i don't know if that's the case but they they can't exchange semaphores fast enough it, it doesn't necessarily make sense well they they send pigeons with <laughs> <laughs> very fast pigeons. carrier signal yes. pigeons. the yeah. basically the support for the sam thing is is they said 500 series maybe 550 they definitely said 570 required so you know not even all amd you know 5000 cpus need apply if you're not on the right uh, board board platform either yeah if it's a 400 series and below it's not going to probably do it yeah. and again yeah. the 3000 series of ryzen processors uh do not support it so yeah. it's going to be very well, interesting when you benchmark when you benchmark to intel platform ryzen yeah. 3000 series platform and then ryzen yeah. 5000 so this is going to make Sebastian's testing really interesting. Yeah. Don't you mean Josh's testing? Think about it. Think mm. about the future. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, if you Don't want stop. the review next year, then sure. Uh, Josh, that's yeah. not too long away. Careful this is true. Asper. Yeah. Yeah, 2021. It's going to be worse than 2020. Plus, you know, it takes me a while to edit videos, as Josh knows very well. Yeah. Um, hey, have you looked at the performance numbers that AMD showed? Because, of course, you know, they take these with a grain of salt, but still interesting to did see. Did you notice which CPU they used, Sebastian? Oh, wait, but did you notice the up to at the top of the There's a whole the bunch. There's a yeah, lot there's... going on with these charts, by yeah. the way. Let's break it down. Let's break it down <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I haven't even gone into the... But first, I just wanted to point out, for all of those people that yes. yelled at you previously... AMD for all of these tests chose to use the 5900 XT, not the 5950. I saw, I saw that, yeah. Which you took a bit of flack for occasionally, Sebastian. Oh, for the because my 3900 so X, yeah, yeah, it, it was the right choice, and I stand by it. Obviously, it was. I knew all along. I did. I knew nothing. Okay, uh, <laughs> putting it all together, it's a, as they it's say, a good feel. Let's look at this chart here. This is the, the first performance chart I added. There's a whole bunch in the uh, slide deck, but 6800 XT. This is with SAM, Smart Access Memory, and Rage Mode enabled, which is overclocking. And we're talking some wins here for AMD, especially with Rage Mode over a 3080. Rage is only adding 1% to 2%, and it's really only sort of one-click adjusting the power availability. Mm -hmm. And, of course, due to... Uh, CPU boost, quote unquote, it um, clocks follow power availability. So, you know, it's a secondary effect of increasing the power limits. But that's what, what rage mode is. It's increasing the power limits. So it's just a power Manually overclock. Correct. Going to be totally different. Well, that's, you know, you know, some, your mileage may vary. What's interesting yeah. about that is the amount of power. Because if, if on all of these slides, they're focused on rage mode, which they especially did with Big Navi, which we'll look at that slide next. Uh, yeah, we have showing... no idea what that board boosts up to. Because right. they're saying, okay, no. it's a 300-watt right. board power. Right. But that's without rage mode. Right. 
That's without beat NVIDIA mode. But with beat NVIDIA yeah. mode, it's pulling, you know, X, like 380 watts. <laughs> Who knows? We don't know yet. Maybe it's only 320. Yeah. This but, is why we need third-party review right. results. Yeah. Desperately. Badly. But look at look at the other thing here. <laughs> I would never get away with this. No one would get away with this in the industry. It says uh, under, where is it? Where is it here? Frames per second. Frames at, per second at 4K up to. Two. So that's max frames per second, not average, not 95%, not 99%, not <sighs> minimum. Yeah. 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 I don't know which percentile they're looking at. I reached out to them. I'm waiting for an answer. We can clarify in the article when they get back to us, mm -hmm. but. That's interesting. I don't think I've ever seen that myself where they're potentially showing max frame. But if they are, are they showing max frame rate for the 3080 as well? In which case, I guess it's still a fair comparison. Or does their boost, does their infinity cache give them that edge in max frame rate? Think about it. But they oh, could totally suffer in mins and averages. So yes, not to throw water on everybody's parade. They attributed that we, cache to... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we've seen this, unfortunately, previously before in AMD cards where they, they wobbled uh, was, was sort of the best way to do it. Back when we were doing the, the frame rating, uh, we found that, yeah, absolutely, you'll, you would pr definitely produce the highest uh, frames per second, but there's a problem in that you would wobble around so much that tearing became ridiculously insane and i don't care how good your adaptive sync monitor is if we get back to that sort of thing and i have no reason to think that we do i, I don't think that's something we're ever going to see again you know knock on wood hopefully that by putting it up that high and saying that yep yeah, this is our absolute max it's like well yeah but what's your 99th percentile what, exactly what are you usually what's your one percent lows yeah I have a theory. Yeah. What if what if up to is just if they manually set the GPU clocks up to their max? So what if this is just clock dependent? And yes, it is an average, but it's an average if it was at 2250 all the time, that kind of a thing. The, the one other way to read it is what if it's just a CYA to say, hey, you know what? Your experience might be different. Right, which again would be like thermally, <laughs> thermal and power constraints there. Yeah. Another thing that was interesting exactly. about these is that they use best API for all these charts. Yeah, what does Which, that exactly mean? It means think? the best API might... for each game for each card. So mm -hmm. it might be Vulkan, it might be DX12, it might be DX11, but we're not necessarily looking at DX12 versus DX12 in these. We're looking at like, well, on the AMD card, we used Vulkan, and on the NVIDIA card, we used DX12, that kind of a thing. And there, it's all in the disclosure. Best case scenario versus worst case scenario. Possibly. It's not new. We haven't done our own testing yet, so we don't know. And I guess this isn't really analysis of their charting, but it's just kind of interesting that they're doing what could potentially be either misleading graphs or very, very like tiny. Optimistic. Yeah. Can't we just they're, say they're subject really... to interpretation? But, but hey, the elephant in the room here is the, it's the big Navi. It's finally here. We've been talking about big Navi for years and it's called the 6900 XT. And it apparently can trade blows with a 3090 for $500 less. Yeah. That's pretty significant. And there might and be better availability of the 1600 XT when it actually releases. Might be. But I was talking to uh, an acquaintance of mine who, who works for a, uh, a card company. company. And they said component shortages 
are so bad across the entire industry, nobody can keep up with supply or demand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the I key think point. That AM, AMD Components. will have better number of cards out probably, but I still don't think that we're going to see significant numbers where the average person can just go online anytime they want and buy a card. That's not going to happen until 2021. As far, I mean, I could be wrong. Mm. And I hope to be wrong for all of your sakes and your <laughs> wallets. Josh, and credit this cards. is the point of the show yeah. where I need to say something complimentary about Apple. It's in my contract. Um, Apple <laughs> moved away from TSMC 7 nanometer, freeing up capacity for the rest of the world, moving to the 5 nanometer process, moving to a slightly more advanced node. Freeing up five nanometer for the rest of the world to to get at, and yeah, that's, maybe that's a little nice, bit, maybe a little maybe a little radon in there. So there might be capacity for AMD. Thanks to that's Apple. not that's not the only component <laughs> that people are talking about. No, nope. I know and that's where really the issue. But it's is. in my contract. I need to say something complimentary yeah. about Apple every every time. Okay, so yeah, it's out of the way now. And Josh, in a way, I do hope you're right because the the amount of things we're not expecting to get normalish until 2022. That list is steadily growing and does include stuff like manufacturing of tiny components that we all don't really necessarily know about, but absolutely love because they make our stuff work. Yeah. There's more to talk about with this. I mean, we could go into the super resolution thing, which obviously is not the same as the LSS because that's not AI. It's just... It's not tensor core based. Yeah, it's just, it's no, just scaling it's and sharpening. <laughs> And then their ray tracing support is uh, DX12 Ultimate. So it's not, it says hardware ray tracing accelerated. I still would like clarification on this. Like, is this just you're allocating a certain number of your shader cores to do it? But I guess I don't fully understand the architecture yet. Yeah, nobody knows. Well, I mean, there there's some people who dug into patents and there seems like there is a hardware component to, um, to you know, path tracing. Yeah, but... Hmm. It's in a different place in the rendering pipeline than what NVIDIA has with RTX. And there are people arguing is like, oh, this could be, you know, a lot better the way how it uh, leverages other parts of the GPU and others are like, this is kind of like RTX one half. We don't know exactly where it stands just because they have not had an editor's day where we've done deep dives into the architecture. And that's really disappointing. Uh, AMD used to be great at a lot of that stuff. And now it's, we're not going to pre-sample anybody. We're not going to do anything. I mean, NVIDIA has done kind of the same thing. Maybe a little bit better, especially with editor's days. But it's like they want to avoid leaks altogether. And so they're going to do this 30-minute presentation that's not terribly technical, but it's got lots of technical terms in there. But we don't understand the basis of, of how it's doing what it's doing. What are the capabilities? I mean, we have, you know, these these frames per second stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I know. Yeah. No, I remember the old AMD tech days. Those guys would spill just about everything. We had that last Until you don't have to use thermal A3. paste, but... And we had well, breakout yeah. sessions with different people. They used people. to be, well, true. Okay, we'll give them that. I mean, this is, it's a little bit of a different year for whatever reason. Uh, what else was on here? Variable rate shading, Fidelity FX. 
direct storage. There's a lot. Honking to amount unpack. of GDDR6. Yeah, I'm very curious about that cache, like how yeah. it's going to behave with with regard to smoothness. Like, is it going to cause any kind of stuttering or anything? Well, and how? And I, you know, I hate to be the the one, but you know, how well implemented is it with one single set of processors that have had fairly limited availability so they haven't really been able to test it on the ridiculously large ecosystem that exists nowadays i mean it's not like the old days where you could do six months of testing and cover about 80 percent of the usage cases nowadays god knows what people have shoved in their cases so you know is it are there going to be growing pains like with the first gen third ripper that i'm doing this on right now uh or is it going to be nice and smooth and this is actually something you've been looking at for a while and have finally been able to implement it there's so many questions so many questions and we'll have answers later on but uh anybody else have any more thoughts on this before we move on from radeon they do have hardware ray tracing acceleration that's what it says. Josh is muted. Yeah, I think. Oh. yeah, I was muted. And so I thought Brett was just being rude to me again. No. Oh, my gosh. I know. Uh, so anyway, the prices are interesting. For the 6800, it's what, 574, 579? And 579, then, uh, you are correct. 579. The 6800 XT is, six, yeah, 6800 XT is, is 649. So 50 bucks less than the base 3080. And then 999 for the 6900 XT, which they claim is very performance uh, compatible with the 3090, which is 1500 bucks. I think the 6800 to 6800 XT is a strange number. Only $75 between those two. I mean, if you were yeah. to buy it, you might as well just get the 6800 XT. Um, I said so. I think the 6800 is a little bit overpriced for what you get, and especially, yeah, just because you can get quite a bit more for not a whole lot of money when you're dealing in that kind of price range. And there's no Other extra code that. names left over for something in between the 6800 XT and the 6900 XT. Yes, Maybe there is. XT was the, <laughs> the XTX. Yeah, bring it yeah. back. Or a, or a 5.0. They're not above that. Thirty-nine fifty. Oh, wait, we're we talking Nvidia product names or AMD product? Names? Oh, oh AMD. AMD. I was going specifically AMD. AMD. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, Nvidia six... has like GT, GTS, GTX, uh, Super. PI, like they've got, and, and then they've added Super. So they've got like a half dozen names to toss on a certain model number, and you know, increment them by twenty dollars if they feel like it. This it, the pricing feels odd. I, I, I agree with Josh. Like, if the 6800 XT comes close to 3800 or the 3080, which honestly I expect they will, even if you shave 10% off the performance numbers that AMD is presenting to you, it's still bloody close and it's undercutting it by just a little hair, but not by a, a fair amount, which is nice. I could understand that making sense if the 6800 was significantly cheaper. Because then, you know, the, it, you know if, they, if they were to do a 525, 524 for the 6800, 
It's going to be yeah. faster than the 3070. It's only going to be $25 more than 3070. It's got double the memory, the 3070. And then you've got a, a much larger span in between that and the 1600 XT. That's understandable. Which would that then make sense. 50 bucks. Yeah, that extra yeah. 50 bucks kind of is weird. Well, potentially all the new Ryzen owners, especially on those on 500 series boards, are going to be like, why would I buy an NVIDIA card when I'm, I'm going to lose out on my on this uh, this memory access, this SAM uh, feature? I'm, I'm going to get a Radeon. So, yeah, makes sense. Well, yeah, but I bought the Intel 10,897-12KS. Yeah. That wasn't that a good buy. Work. No, no. That you know, the 10850K is not bad. It's not bad. No, it's not. If you can, I still hate if the you names, can find a ten nine hundred K, that's that's not good, not good at well, all. Not, especially not well, in the light of what what we know is coming. I mean, no, it was good. No. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to say that it never had a place. Ten nine hundred K for five forty nine is not bad. It's just it's and the ten eight fifty K is what four eighty nine four eighty five on Newegg. It's not bad. I mean, it's but if you're comparing it to AMD, you can get twelve cores for less money. When you go and buy a 3900x so well and, yeah. and what i just said in light of hey if you're going to deploy that on a 500 series board you're probably going to be getting or wanting an amd card to take advantage of that extra performance it's latent mm -hmm. yeah but yeah um but i need to see it run actually benchmark it because yeah. true oh true very it's true. neat. Yep. It's neat. That's a great technology, and that is a great platform level technology to really leverage performance across something that you can control. And yeah, that's really smart. smart. Yeah. And that's that's a and good speaking of design thing. Do you think we're gonna? Do you think this is part of what we're seeing behind the scenes in the Xbox and the PlayStation that they have been cagey about? You know, is it possible that they're actually trying to do this, the, the, the infinity case or the, the smart access behind the scenes? Probably. They... It wouldn't shock me just because it is such a close yeah. system and they can they can go up to the guys. I mean, they've already got the, the direct storage on the Xbox. They've got direct storage uh, with the new 6900 series. Mm -hmm. um, they, they, yeah, it, I... And plus, you know, 4K, 124, 120 frame, yeah, 124, 20 yeah. frames per second on <laughs> quite a few uh, um, things. I mean, they're obviously doing a lot more stuff at the system level to make it more efficient in the platform level. And of course, it's just one giant SOC. So there are trip tricks that they can do, and uh, yeah, it wouldn't I wouldn't doubt one bit that uh, this uh, the system level kind of you know memory access is uh, implemented with the next generation console stuff which means that if they've cut their teeth on it already on the console level maybe there's a little bit more maturity behind this platform that we're waiting to see than uh i, I don't know expect. about that but yeah it's yeah pure speculation but that's what we're here for Yes. Oh, and uh, let's take a short break right here for something else. Brett, I believe we have a podcast sponsor this week. We do. We uh, Thanks to uh, Text Expander this week for sponsoring the podcast. Their, uh, their deal is speeding up everything you type uh, with uh, powerful shortcuts and abbreviations. So we'll put a good word in for them here. Take back your time with the power of Text Expander. 
Repetitive typing, little mistakes, searching for answers, they're all taking precious time away from you and your team. With Text Expander, you can take it back. The latest version of Text Expander has new and improved statistics reporting for organizations, including the ability to build reports with customizable date ranges for enterprise and individual users, so you can track how much time your team is saving. With Text Expander, you can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current. Everyone will share the same message and give the same answers to all customer inquiries. Share your text and images with the whole staff to keep them on track. Work faster and smarter, such as being able to more quickly onboard new employees. Use Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations to streamline and speed up everything you type. Create powerful snippets to save you time so that all you do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest of the typing for you. Keep your whole team communicating efficiently and with consistent language. This can be a concern with more well-developed sales staff where they have been working with the same people, customers, and products for a long period of time. Share your snippets of messaging, signatures, and descriptions with everyone who works on projects with you. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit TextExpander.com podcast to learn more about Text Expander. We thanks for the sponsors. And you know what? Uh, while we've been uh, podcasting here, a couple of Patreon comments have come in. Uh, one person has changed their name back to Darth Melventano. <laughs> yes, that's a classic. Yes. So there's a nice recall on that. And he has increased his uh, Patreon. So thanks very much for that. And you a new Patreon member has just come in, Corey Brown. So welcome. And thank you. How now, Corey Brown? It's ten dollars, so I can give him a personalized message, right? Yes. Ah, they haven't quite reached and that level, but we will level, not but... pull mm. the football away. Now that they Almost. know that that level is there, you know, maybe people will attain it. Well, you know, they the funny thing about Z-Links is that uh, Nvidia's Mellanox utilizes Z-Links technology oh, yeah. in their uh, in their DPUs. FPGAs are, are used in a lot of stuff, and uh, I, I think that this probably is a merger that is that is honestly good for both of them, um, yeah. because it's we're, we're just going to see a confluence of, of a lot of these technologies, um, and I think that uh, one area that Z-Links and I probably hope I hope it's Z-Links and not Xilinx or I don't know Z-Links whatever Dexalinks. X links X. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think that they are a little bit har uh, farther along in terms of machine learning, uh, especially in the software side than AMD is. And so that's, that's another positive thing. Uh, the company itself uh, makes about $3 billion in, in revenue a year. And so when you add that to what AMD does, which is about $8 billion, uh, going to be a little bit more this year. It's 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 approaching eleven, twelve million billion dollars a, a year, and that's that's a significantly sized company. Uh, Dr. Lisa, she's she's going to be the combined leader, the the ex guy of uh, Z Links. He's going to be like, um, well, he's going to still be in charge of of his group. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, uh, you know it's a monumental kind of shift. It's what thirty. Five or thirty-eight billion dollars, and it, it's all going to be stocks. So, Z-Link's owners are going to get, you know, X amount of AMD stocks, and it's it's kind of a, a cash-free 
event. Uh, but in ways, this this merger is a lot more. It, it really is synergistic because they don't overlap in many spaces. But it opens up a lot of possibilities for each company. So I mean, who knows? You know, maybe soon we'll have x eighty six processors with FPGAs built in that can do all kinds of things, like you know, configure itself as a DSP and do true audio three point I don't know. But yeah, and if AMD's stock keeps going up, they did very well. Well, their their stock Zone's has guys. taken a drop. Yeah, the stock has taken a drop, but I, well, I, I everything's taking a drop today, kind of. Yeah, that free fall is not going to last. So, Mm-mm. what do you guys think? I think it's smart. FPGAs are in freaking everything, like you said. They're not uh, incredibly onerous to create. Uh, I mean, there, there's a huge amount of design in them, but when you're comparing it to the several billion transistors in uh, the the Ryzen 5000 series, it's you know relatively a piece of cake next to that. And you know they're just they're going to find everyone's going to be their customer for this sort of stuff. And doing it without a huge chunk out of their bankroll, which is something AMD doesn't really have to spare. It's a really smart move. I, once again, uh, Dr. Sue has, you know, spotted something and managed to make it work. At least it looks like it. Hopefully it's actually true. Uh, AMD announced their quarterly results for the third quarter, and they made $2.8 billion. It is a record quarter for them. They have never achieved that kind of revenue ever in their entire lifespan. 50 plus years of AMD. Nothing even close to this. I think it was like 2.2, 2.3 billion. And, uh, you know, I think last quarter was was the other record. And before that, it was like 2004, 2005. So they made some money. And not only did they make some money, but they actually made some money. So their, their, their gross was around uh, 500 million, which is massive, massive for AMD. Their long-term debt is incredibly small right now it's like 300 to 400 million dollars that's it that's not much debt at all for a company of this size and especially when you compare it to intel earning right yeah it's a quarter earning yeah but uh you know intel has something like 35 billion dollars of long-term debt um and i mean you know granted intel is a much larger company and uh they're they're you know the the amount of what their share price and how many shares are out there their their market cap is is still higher and their quarterly earnings are still very 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 much you know eclipsing what amd does but the things that were interesting is the enterprise and semi custom blew out of the water and there were two things obviously that one semi custom you've got the two consoles coming out and they're ramping up their production and AMD is getting a lot of revenue. So that actually kind of gave their gross margin overall a hit. Even though their gross margin attained at 44% from last quarter, you know, the 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 amount of semi-custom stuff, I mean, they're, they're, the margins on that are, are much smaller. However, to offset that, AMD has like doubled their amount of money coming from Epic. And we saw last week when Intel 
released their quarterly financials that they had weakness in the data center that took their margins from 49% in the data center down to 32%, a 17% margin drop. And what is a giant moneymaker for Intel kind of showed us and they said, well, it was, you know, weakness in, in government and all kinds of other things, data centers. And then a week later, AMD comes out. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, our data center grew dramatically. It doubled from last year. Epically. Yes, oh. it was epically. So, I mean, there there is probably going to be some truth there that there were less overall orders market-wide. But... AMD was able to grow their market share against that. So this was uh, this was a big thing for Epic. And uh, I know for my little company that I worked for in the day, we bought our first Epic-based server. And, you know, I, 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 I remember telling a story, I think last year, about how my boss went to a Dell conference. And this is when Xeon servers were like 17 to... 24 weeks out. If you ordered one, you would expect to get one in that time. And so they had this meeting and they had all these, you know, customers come in uh, somewhere in Oklahoma. They took them to a basketball game, stuff like that. But they're saying, hey, are you guys interested? You know, I mean, if, if you want servers right away, we've got Epic servers and we can ship them today. And there were groans throughout the meeting room of like oh amd really no i'm not gonna do that this was this was almost uh, two years ago two oh, years okay. ago this is the first oh, generation absolutely. epic was still there and now all those groaning people are buying them because they're available they have better performance they have more threads they've got better overall kind of technology uh, Dell has implemented all of their usual uh, management stuff as well onto the AMD platform. And they're selling for two-thirds of the price of the Intel comparable CPUs. So mm -hmm. it's it's kind of a no-brainer right now to buy Epic, and a lot of people have. And also, going back, uh, you know, AMD Ryzen sales, 3000 series, continue to be strong. Uh, their graphics still took some hits because, of course, you know we'll be talking about it very, very shortly. Uh, their their five thousand series has not been popular, and you know we've just experienced the the people trying to save up for Nvidia's thirty eighties, thirty nineties, and thirty seventies. So they probably haven't been really purchasing graphics processors over the last quarter, and even though they can't deliver the parts. People are still saving up and they're not buying the AMD 5000 series. And especially because they've now introduced the 6000 series. Anything else on the quarterly earnings that uh, was interesting to you guys? Yeah, I did a little stuff. dance. Talked about it. Uh, yeah, the, it's good news. Jeremy, you posted a story about Ryzen and RTX living in perfect harmony inside the new... Zephyrus G14 gaming laptop. It is absolutely true. And it's it's living in a very pretty body as well. It's a very nice all sort of silverish white uh, shell on the ver on all of the models, which, you know, you don't see so much outside of Asus. Uh, but this is 
something we've been wanting to see for a very long time. The, the ability to walk into a store and say, I would like an AMD powered laptop, please. And for them not to try and either kick you out or just stare shocked at you. So what, what this is, is the, uh, the Jeffers, Zephyrus Z14 family, which has two different base models. Uh, the, the best way to just differentiate the two models is the graphics card. In one case, you owe the GTX 1660 Ti, and the second has got an RTX 2060. But in each case, you've got a choice between a Ryzen 9 4900HS or a 74800HS, which, you know, is they're, they're brilliant processors. They're not ridiculously priced. They're going to be, you know, wonderful in a laptop. And they didn't play around and make it so that you know, okay, it's an AMD processor in the process, in the uh, laptop, so we're going to make it as cheap as we possibly freaking can. No. Uh, for the vast majority of them, uh, 24 gigs of RAM, uh, DDR4-3200. It tends to be more stable. You might be able to get it up to 3600, but 3200 is uh, sort of where you, the stability goes. Uh, you can pick either a 1 terabyte or 512 gigabyte uh, Samsung NVMe drive, and in some cases, a lot of a secondary uh, spinning rust drive for you. So you've got this beautiful piece of hardware inside of this. And the one sort of drawback, and again, it goes to the form factor and what you can actually manage in there. If you want adaptive sync, if you want 120 hertz screen, you're going to go have to go with the matte 180p screen. If you can live with your laptop screen being 60 hertz you can have 1440p which is rather nice and because you're probably if you're seriously gaming pushing this out onto a proper display with that 2060 and and the 4900 hs you've got the power to be able to do it no problems whatsoever it's also and sebastian is showing here got the anime matrix array on the back now this is reminiscent of high school when you could uh you know put basic text and images onto a, a, a scrolling screen jeremy but, is, is this a gimmick would you call this a gimmick i mean yes okay but that's just me and to be honest it looks a hell of a lot better than a apple with a bite out of it doesn't it <gasps> oh you know i can't say yes yeah i know so the one thing, uh, and when Tweaktown was doing the review, because you've got all of this bloody power stuck into, which is a relatively small form factor, you're going to hit thermal maximums, obviously. It's going to start coming down, and it's going to, you know, your, your performance is going to start good and start degrading. Well, they tested it as every condition they could, and it did not happen. Asus has figured out how to how to properly uh, provide cooling to this so that you don't actually have to worry about it. And, oh, they didn't mention that in the review, that you could make a, a graphics equalizer on the back. That makes it almost worse in a way. But I, it's pretty. It's AMD-powered. It's not crippled on the GPU. It doesn't have thermal cap limitations. It's starts at about $1,400, $1,500. But for a gaming laptop of this, in a 14-incher, that is relatively good pricing. You, you can't complain about that if you're shopping for a gaming laptop. 
it's good to see that these products are out there and yeah that that oh, materially contributed to amd's bottom line this quarter oh. because they had actual significant mobile shipments ship from, ship, from top ship brands dell shipments. hp asus yeah yeah um top i just recommended an acer to a friend which is ryzen based the uh, 4600 but she doesn't need more than that and you know it, it's nice to be able to do this again nvidia reflex technology jeremy what is it oh i thought that was reflex wait wait is it yeah i was gonna say it are we throwing more stuff up on the screen i we are yeah hmm sync your mouse monitor and the game engine it's low mm -hmm. latency technology nvidia's we, less understood new feature yeah it's it's harder uh, to, yes. to test you have to have special i don't know if you have to have well, their special latency hardware or if you need this this hardware no, Jeremy, not only if you is, want yeah go ahead continue brett it no, it was just an observation that it was just this hardware was allows you to get that feedback to see it on the screen yes so that the monitor will actually show your latency and the mouse will actually communicate with the the proper signal yeah. to the monitor so you can see what's going on. So, but you don't necessarily need it, but it does give you the feedback in real time. Because yeah. the, the, the reflex latency, latency analyzer uh, is mm -hmm. the overlay for the GeForce experience, which will give you a, an exact idea of what the, the millisecond latency is that you're getting between you clicking the mouse and you know, the, the bullet flying out of the, the barrel of the gun. Uh, you know, because honestly, it's it's for Twitch games, so you don't necessarily need the reflex compatible monitor and mouse, and you don't honestly even need a new GeForce card because uh, anything from GeForce 900 onwards is going to be able to make use of this. Um, but the idea is that uh, there is obviously some inherent latency between the point that you hit the mouse. The mouse is pulling rate, you know, even if it's a thousand megahertz, hitting the computer or hitting the input, going up, getting translated, hitting the video card, coming up and out to your monitor. And for some people, you know, the fact that that's upwards of 15 or 20 milliseconds is upsetting to them because they're playing at 680 by 480 on an extremely high refresh rate monitor with all the settings set to low so that they can squeak out that a little extra couple of million dollars by playing a competitive Counter-Strike. So, because right. that's what this is about. what it's I thought about it low was. resolution, high refresh rate, right? I don't this is what I thought it was about. So as I'm reading this review, one of the first things that they're pointing out is if that's you, this shit ain't for you. Honestly, you've already got it set so that the latency is lower than we can possibly do it for you. This is for the casual gamer who suddenly switched to a 1440 or a 4K monitor and realized that it feels a wee little bit spongy. You know, it's like, I swear that I'm clicking and my ancient brain is almost registering that the muzzle flash is noticeably after I'm clicking my button. So it's, it's very simple to set up. And the idea is that if you're not running the best hardware that you should, could have to be running a high resolution kit this will actually mitigate some of the lag that you're getting from that poor overworked gpu trying to display at these high resolutions you 
all of a sudden it went from this is silliness and why am I having an overlay to tell me that yeah, I, maybe it was 50 milliseconds. The fact that I clicked a second too late might have had something to do with it. Uh, this is actually more for someone that's a little bit less professional, a little more casual, and has upgraded some of their stuff, but not everything, and is starting to get a little bit frustrated because it just doesn't feel right. So I haven't had my hands on it yet. Uh, not very many people have. I mean, there's a handful of monitors uh, that will support it and that is part of it is that you do need uh, the monitor which is compatible to get the full effect of it because it's measuring the light that's coming out of uh, where the the muzzle would be in the, in the gun on the monitor and comparing that to the input to realize okay we need to adjust this and that and the other thing so you, even without having it I displayed on the screen. It's, it might actually be a reasonable sort of a feature to add to a card for someone that isn't going out and buying a 3090 or a 69.50 or sorry, I've, I've even forgotten what that card was called. 6900 XD. Uh, but have bought a fancy new monitor or playing on a TV, which might be 4K, but is, you know, famous for having incredibly high latency. So before you toss this one out completely, it might be worth looking into. And uh, just a warning, if you're sensitive to bright colors, we have uh, a disturbing image to show you from the developers of Cyberpunk 2077. Who have delayed the game again. Do 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 ah. do. What? Giant After slashing tweet. all of that content, <laughs> I think that was, and then forcing all of their workers to work overtime that they promised they would never do. Wait, and... didn't, didn't this release ten months ago? What was it? I, I maybe I missed it. What the delay? The the, the game? Yeah, wasn't it supposed to release like in May or April or something mm -hmm. of this year. It's been pushed back a bit. Yeah, back well, in the day. Yeah, I mean pre-orders <laughs> in April of 2019, I think. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Money pre-orders well were spent. definitely a year ago. More friends, a year ago. don't let friends pre-order. We're very sorry, though. The bad thing about this is, is what if they, I mean, what if they get into a Duke Nukem Forever situation with this? And it's just, it gets delayed and delayed and delayed. And when it finally comes out, it's outdated and disappointing. I don't know. Oh, it was pretty. Uh, this was a a very aggressive and forward looking game from everything that I understood about it. And so, uh, if they aren't able to hit it and even delay nine months, it's still going to be kind of a cutting edge experience from what I've heard. But of course, yeah, it could just be. Duke Nukem Forever Part D, yeah. whichever one that was. I can't remember. But, but I'm not sure that the people who were really into Duke Nukem or waiting for it sent, like, death threat tweets or something. This has no. just resulted in a lot of people getting really tweaked. Physical fertilizer being sent to the developers. <laughs> it was a different no. time, Brett. The current generation of gamers, younger gamers, are they're new on the scene and they're oh. very emotional sometimes. Okay. All right. So Plus we, we should have the point where 
we've hit the point where trying to release a cyberpunk based game is now more or less a curse. Not quite Duke Nukem level. I mean, we're not talking decades here, but either the couple of past ones have been either delayed, died, or dog doo doo. Uh, modern haven't London we been... Watch Dogs is going to be on time, right? Yeah, but haven't we kind but of been numb to all this? Am I not muted, Jeremy? That's why I'm talking. Can I talk if you're now? muted, I wouldn't talk. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, haven't, have, haven't we kind of been, you know, abused enough by Star Citizen? That's oh. been seven plus years, 2013, when it first was promised and I mean that's kind of the that's kind of the the benchmark that's the, the that's the the ultimate grift is just keep sending us your money and we will get you a somewhat finished product that you can kind of alpha test for us most of it was a it was a kickstarter not the not the good kind of benchmark. But they've made something like 150 to 200 million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Why even release it at this right. point? Just keep <clears throat> developing it forever. Just keep well, milking. And every milking. week or two, or, or sorry, once or twice a week, we get an email from them talking about the the new ship and the new features that are going to be appearing in the soon to be released Star Citizen. Uh, I believe recently we were just asked to vote on which was the best ship that we've never been able to fly yet. Ouch. Why isn't it out? Yeah. Like, why don't they just call whatever it is done and just say, you know what, this is the game. It's done. You, you, do you remember who's developing Chris, it? Chris Roberts. Yeah. Is that. But you know what? Dungeon Siege was so good. Hmm. So good. Hey, you know what else? He's done so a lot good. of good games, but yeah, he's a bit of a perfectionist sometimes. What about what? He's what not like Derek Smart, but. It's a name I haven't heard since. <laughs> oh, early 2000s? Yeah. Battle what, 2000? Battle... Battle Carrier? Battle Cruiser? I have it. Battle Cruiser. The reason I remember this is because I was cleaning something up, and I had Battle Cruiser 2000, I'm like, oh my god, yes. The game where each and every single meteor and asteroid has its own separate AI. Anyway... Hey, did you know that <sighs> NVIDIA released a graphics card as well? Well, they're releasing it. I think as you're, if you're listening to this live, it's not yet available. I think it's, it's already sold out. On the 29th? No, it might not be. It's not sold out Maybe. yet. <laughs> it's going to be... Newegg sent out a tweet that said, we have much more product available, but it will still be sold out in minutes. Ooh. So six six a.m. Pacific time. Getting to Newegg and your other favorite guys go line up at Micro Center. Micro Center should have a lot more product available. So if you actually line up, you may get one. Yeah, there are only like not. twenty Micro Centers around the U.S. Something like that. Twenty-five. Yeah. yeah. Of course, we're talking yeah, about the RTX thirty-seven D <laughs> Founders Edition. Add-in boards are next, but the Founders Edition was the first one uh, released, or at least the embargo was up for this one first. And it's a lot less expensive than the 3080. It's $499. It's smaller 
It has a little bit more of a conventional appearance with two fans on the front instead of one on the front and one in the back. Different GPU at the core of it, but it, I, I have to say, it is an absolutely beautiful looking card. I love the way this Founders Edition card looks. I think it's even better looking. Until you put the power cord in. Yeah, that's a contentious uh, subject, it looks Jeremy. Funny. Uh, it looks funny. The size of it. Power is plugged in. <laughs> the size of it looks great for small form factor builds. Yes, too. I think it'll True. be the size. Yes. There'll be smaller ones than this. I'm sure there'll be those compact. Because like, the 2070 had really compact GPUs. In, from certain certain companies like Asus had the smallest 2070 but anyway uh quickly looking at the specs it's GA104 the previous the 3080 was GA102 so a lot smaller it's uh 392 millimeters squared i believe it's on this chart yes 392 versus 628 millimeters squared with the big uh chip so and it's 100 watts lower TGP. We go down from 320 with the 3080 to 220 with the 3070. So that's significant. It's also significantly less memory bandwidth though. We're all the way back to the 2080 here with memory interface and bandwidth. Like we're uh, eight gigabytes of GDDR6, 14 gigabit per second, 256 bit bus for 448 gigabytes per second bandwidth. That is it. That's the same as the 2080. So, have they have they told us how much L2 cache is on that chip? I would have to look it up. The cache, I think, is in the uh, the documents for it. Hmm. The architectural info. They're being cagey about it. Yeah. Well, you know, it, huh, huh. Uh, that that is certainly something that will help uh, with lower bandwidth main memory. Uh, so, yeah. Just like AMD with their 128 megabytes of infinity cache. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no, no infinity cache here. We no. are s just just GDDR6, and I, I have to say, like, th the performance of this card is going to be memory bandwidth constrained. All other things being equal, so they've op they've left the door wide open for a a GDDR6 version of this, like a TI or a super. With the, you know, faster memory bus. But, I mean, 6X, right? Yeah. Did I say 5? Yeah. I don't know. You said 6. You said 6, not 6X. Yeah, no, this is 6X. Yeah, 6X would be, six you X. know, obviously the upgrade here. But quickly looking over at the card, uh, we'll look at Jeremy's comment here. The, as you can see, actually, it still has, um, if you're watching the video, if, the, if you're listening to audio, this doesn't make any sense to you. We're looking at the front of the card with its two fans. And on the back... The right-hand side is just a pass-through heatsink, kind of like on a the 3080. Grill. Yeah, it kind of looks like a speaker grill. It looks like a transistor radio from <laughs> Sony from the 1980s, perhaps, with a speaker on the right-hand side. And please don't physically press play the, on the, the golden fans, fingers. The fans are actually separated from each other, and the one nearest um, the ports actually exhausts straight out the back, like a Typical blower card. Yes. Very similar to what we saw with the 3080, only maybe even a little bit better focused this time. And the the power connector is going to be... It, it already wasn't popular. And then when you find out what the actual power requirements of this card are and that they could have simply put... <laughs> and look, the opening here, if you're watching mm. the video, the opening exists for a standard 8-pin but they put a 12-pin compact anyway. 
And hey, they're trying to, to they're trying to butter up those power supply guys. Start start doing the twelve pin because we've got so many more models out there. How come you didn't take a picture of the uh, the 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 adapter sticking the out adapter? of there by itself? Yeah, because everybody likes to do that now. I did not choose to. Do yeah, because you know what? It so... looks like your card is is happy to see you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not into that look. Trying mm. to keep the the photos at least. Maybe the review itself isn't all that sophisticated, but I try to take very sophisticated, dramatic looking photos. It's true. So, you do a good job of it. You well, do. If I scroll all the way past it, let's just forget about the benchmarks. Forget about it. Let's just go. Oh, wait, stop. wait, 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 wait. Let's look. We'll look at the you benchmarks the in a second. But look, there's okay. this is the oh, the adapter. There it is. There it is. A oh. single eight pin to a twelve pin compact. I mean, you so, didn't hey, need so to do this. Me. Explain to me it's again. Braided, braided for her pleasure. <laughs> and this exists. Why? Right. This is the uh, dongle fetishist Apple fan. No, I think Josh has a point. It's it's trying to trying to bend the power supply suppliers yeah. to to you know come up with the twelve pin dongle the 12 pin compact is yeah. nvidia's lightning connector and they're not going to let go of it and it's just going to be on everything and you're going to have to use like lightning minute. to USB-C adapters you know it's proprietary it's like a proprietary thing like it's like it's I don't understand. apple had the 30 pin <laughs> connector that was on everything for a while <laughs> it was on every ipod and then all the early iphones the ipad and, until it wasn't until it wasn't but just just you wait until you see the adapter from the Dell system that's got one of these in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, because they'll have a different one. They won't use their Founders Edition, will they? I know they have in the I past some systems used reference cards from NVIDIA, but mostly they're just like the MSI blower cooler style yeah. uh, performance. If we just look at TimeSpy, which was oddly prescient, like usually you think of TimeSpy, it's like it's a synthetic benchmark. If you look at, if you actually crunch all the numbers from every benchmark and then look at TimeSpy and TimeSpy Extreme, it's pretty damn close. Because here at the standard 1440p resolution, which is TimeSpy, you're at a deficit. We're comparing this to the 2080 Ti because that's how Nvidia kind of framed this during their intro. Well, and it's event. faster, so obviously that's a better buy. Well. Yeah, the twenty. Well, it's it's still. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're saying. You're confusing. Oh, the twenty eighty Ti is a much better value. No, but you know, I, I you're thinking, and that's dangerous. And also, I'm trying to host and switch video, and I'm losing my train of thought. But the twenty eighty Ti, Success. you know, one thousand to twelve hundred dollars at launch. The one thousand dollar version was basically like a. a phantom it may have existed at one point but it was like a 1200 hundred dollar card and now we have a 3070 that comes very close in the first test it's 11 percent slower than the 2080 ti okay 22 percent slower than the 2080 founders edition card if we move to uh times by extreme which is the 4k test the gap closes. Now we see a score of 65.60 for the 3070 and 69.46 for the 2080 Ti. So that is only 5.6% behind the 2080 Ti. And then moving on to actual games like Metro Exodus, which is a DirectX 12 game at 1440 at the high preset, 3070 Founders Edition, average 93.79 frames per second just behind the 2080 Ti, which is at 100.03. So about 
six, just over six frames per second, slower than the 2080 Ti. But again, for 499 instead of 1200. Yeah, it's it's not like you're going to really see this. It's, no, it's the differences not, are pretty small. It's not an experience thing that you're going to be like, oh my gosh, my experience is so diminished because I'm on a 3070 versus a 2080 yeah. Ti. It's just not as opposed happen. to, oh my god, my bank account is so diminished because I bought the 2080 Ti. Yeah, forget the should yeah, I get a thirty ninety yeah. or thirty eighty argument. Just get a thirty seventy. <laughs> yeah, this is way closer. Save your money. It's not that. I mean, it's it's slower than a thirty eighty, of course, but I mean, it's it's almost as fast as a twenty eighty Ti. And in fact, in some cases, like here's Bright Memory Infinite, which is one of my new favorite benchmarks to run because I like the way it looks and it's very demanding. Here it is with uh, fourteen forty resolution. RTX features turned up very high and DLSS on the quality preset, which is the minimal amount of uh, scaling. It's beating the 2080 Ti. It's averaging almost 48 frames per second. 1080 Ti, or 2080 Ti was down at uh, almost 44. So it's about four frames per second faster than a 2080 Ti. Uh, with DLSS off, this is such a tough benchmark that it's not really even playable. I mean, unless you like that cinematic 24 frames per second, which is what the 2080 Ti can manage. This one averages 26. So you get, it is slightly faster, but still, if you have a fully path-traced game like this, that is uh, when control. you're going to find... Well, yeah, I, I need to run control. Control I mean, benchmarks showed it beating the 2080 Ti pretty much across the board. Right. The more RTX features you have enabled in a game, the more likely it is that the 3070 will be faster than the 2080 Ti. Is the upshot. Hmm. And I did like just an overall, I think I averaged everything out and it was about 8% slower than a 2080 Ti overall in uh, like raster-based 3D. And it, that dropped to 4% if you included all the RTX results, just of the stuff I ran here. But it's, it's not much. It's single digit difference between the two. It's only faster, just like with the 3080. The 3080 was not 2X the performance of a 2080 unless you were in fully path traced stuff which they clarified later this is the same deal it's more than 2x if you're fully path traced otherwise it's actually a closer percentage this is not like uh, think of the memory bandwidth difference between those two cards yeah it's significant it's 320 bit versus 256 it's uh 600 and some odd gigs per second versus 458 i mean I'm just throwing those numbers out, but that's essentially what it is. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, still pretty good performance. They're they're uh, able to get really close with a much simpler design and a smaller chip and a, a more limited memory uh, bus. Speaking of limited memory, uh, the fact that this that's only has me. eight gigabytes is going to be unpopular with certain people. I'm sure because all AMD stuff has 16. This is cheaper than the 6800. So the way that AMD's pricing works out, of course, their bottom end card, at least of what's been announced so far, is the 6800 non-XT at 579. So this is $80 below that. But for $80 more, AMD could argue, you get double the memory. So not a if, bad argument. Yeah, and it depends on what you're doing with the card and whether you're doing any compute workloads or, you know, if you're running very high resolutions and need more than 8 gigabytes of frame buffer. 
I feel like this is a I good mean, even at 4K. Here. Do we do we are are we hitting up against the limits? I mean, most of the stuff that I've run in benchmarking, I've seen a max of about five and a half gigs mm-hmm. being taken up at you know higher resolutions, and so it's 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 uh, you know maybe it's a little too early to say that that eight gigs is too little, just because I. You know, this is, you know, I haven't seen it. Obviously, there are probably going to be some games, and I'm going to, you know, mess with uh, Watch Dogs, uh, the next generation stuff, because that's supposedly, you know, pretty impressive graphically. And, uh, you know, we'll see what kind of uh, usage that uh, you have there. But, I mean, like Far Cry 5 and the upcoming what about 6. Flight Sim, Josh? At... Oh, Flight Sim, yeah. Uh, that one's hitting. Six to eight, I think. Yeah, okay. At the very, Close. very max. Close. Worst. Yeah. At the very worst. So it's, uh, you know, it's getting up there. But most other first-person shooter games and that, you know, Flight Sim is, is kind of out there just yeah. because it's super aggressive in what they're, they're doing. You fly around New York, and it's, uh, it's crazy. But otherwise, you know, you go around the countryside, and it's easy. Yeah, you... Uh, you can land in the Hudson, not very well, but you can. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, but according to the people that write all our comments, you are utterly and completely wrong, and every card needs at least 24 gigs of RAM <laughs> at a bare minimum. Well, absolutely, Jeremy, that's right. And it's mm-hmm. just shameful mm-hmm. that a card would be released mm-hmm. in 2020 with 28 yeah. gigabytes because we all game at 5 to 8K, and need all that extra frame buffer, or we're doing like crazy resolution scaling, or we're oh, rendering it's, it off. It's reverse DLSS. Yeah, where we're upscaling inefficiently. Resolution. Something you know, if you if you're doing machine learning training and you have sets that are well, nineteen yes. to twenty four gigs in size, yes, eight gigs is just too little. Too little. The bigger question here: mining. How much does eight gigabytes hold you back when you're jumping on the Ethereum yeah. bandwagon again? I didn't you're think not. about that. No. Yeah, I mean, some of those instances. All right. Uh, oh, your poorly power. optimized uh, third-party texture maps. I mean, really, where are you going with that? Where are you going to load those? Skyrim uh, mods. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Brett, I don't want to buy a new graphics Sky- card in 2020 and then find that Brilliant. I need double the VRAM in 2023. Yeah, then Sebastian, I think you're buying Just, AMD this time around. That's what I think. Exactly. Oh my god! Download That's the more thinking. RAM. That's the thinking right there. All right. And uh, Jeremy says download more RAM, which is a valid point. And if you have uh, a fast bus and caching, and you can like use system RAM like VRAM, it's great. That's why you need PCI Express 4.0 too. It's all coming together. All right. Uh, board power draw. I'm comparing this to the same results I pulled on the same system with the 3080. As you can see, the 3070 is not pulling anywhere near as much. It's almost exactly 100 watts below. In fact, the the peak that I saw, where is it here? If I can find my mouse cursor, was three, uh, let's see, 331.3 with the 3080, 226.3 with the 3070. So just a little under, like more than 100 watts less actually. So, and then total system power draw, the old-fashioned way, measuring it from the wall, total system with that Ryzen 9 3900X, ever so slightly, not really overclock, but the faster, you know, F-clock and DDR4 3600 and all that stuff. We're talking, okay, 
Remember, the 3080 in this test system was 462 watts from the wall. The 3070, 343 watts from the wall. That is less than a 2080 Founders Edition, which was 347. It is significantly less than a 2080 Ti, which is 380 watts from the wall in the same conditions. It's a little bit above a 5700 XT, which was 329. So it's got a 14 watt advantage there for the AMD card, but that was last year. Think of the savings. It, but yeah. it's not just the savings. It's it's the the coolers, the size of the cards. Like this is not anywhere near as big of a GPU chip itself, and it's it's a lot more efficient and still has great performance. I look at this and think, you know. Maybe it's like 8% behind a 2080 Ti, maybe 10% behind a 2080 Ti. But it pulls way less power, and it costs way, way, way less. I think this is the winner. I think this is even better than the 3080. Price to performance? No question. Yeah. For the bang you're getting from your buck, the, the 3070, when you eventually can find it for sale. They, they waited those extra two weeks it. from the original yeah. planned launch was going to be the 15th. Now it's the 29th. So yeah. theoretically, they've accumulated some stock. No, they just gave people enough time to reprogram their bots to make them more efficient. And <laughs> so, so, buy them oh, no. out even. That's probably true, mm. but depressing. It probably is true. Uh, the you know, worst thing is that those bots are now running on a 3080 or a 3090, that's so true. even faster. They're even faster. <laughs> More efficient bot networks. That's what we needed. Great. I don't know. I you know I think the margins for a thirty seventy for the bot guys yeah. might not be worth it. So probably some of them are just going to back out. It's like I can't make double my money. Why am I even going to bother uh, sitting on a thirty seventy on eBay for a couple of weeks and only getting ten percent? Picks of the week. Josh, start us off. Me. I'm wearing them. Oh, uh, you know what? You you would have to buy them from China, but they're the Tron Smart Sono headphones. They're under thirty bucks or thirty one bucks. Uh, they're lightweight. They have fifty millimeter uh, uh, speakers in there, so they're reasonable for the price. The nice metal construction. Uh, re you can plug in the headphone, uh, the uh, microphone. In or out? In or out? Out. Makes sense. A, can we have a close-up of that, please? And it comes with the uh, splitter because uh, usually it's it's the uh, kind of the three-prong, not the three-prong, but it's the three-band that can go and uh, have speaker as well as microphone into your cell phone. And it comes with the splitter for your PC. So you can have separate speaker and microphone. How come you're not using the and gamer like leap microphone on this tonight? Um, because it it's a thirty dollar headset. <laughs> Wait, are you saying this is not broadcast quality audio? <laughs> and a sixteen cent microphone. Yeah, yeah. If that, but yeah. Okay. But otherwise, if you're looking for a, a, a robust, decent sounding, you may wait a few weeks for shipping. The Tron Smart Sono is it's it's a nice product for the price. Uh, slow switching from me. Okay, there we go. 
Jeremy, you've picked some. Oh, this is Canadian money, though. I don't even know what this translates No, it's into. both. It's both. Okay, let's look for our Canadian viewers. I'll show them and listeners. Oh, what's this? Hold on, I gotta focus on Jeremy here. Oh. Look at this cute little thing. That's a whole terabyte on ridiculous. I don't know how they pick fit the Acronis CD in though. It must be folded or something. I, I, maybe it's one of those mini uh, CDs, like the game. Oh, game I haven't seen one of those in forever. Yeah, and I'm impressed. You know, the the, the they have a it, tin it, can. Wait, yeah, the packaging, packaging is awesome. Is that can that double as a cigarette case, Jeremy? Yes, if you pull out the. Uh, uh, yeah. No, it's that's actually long enough that you could you could uh, there you go. pull that Think out. About it's a how case. stylish! But look, is that solid gold? No, no, no. It's aluminum, maybe. Comes with a little protector. No, that's actually a bookmark. So is it a thermal pad? Oh. No, it's, no, it's, it's, it's rubber. It's a bookmark. Really? Yeah. So you yeah. Uh, you you, well, it's got the you clip the. Uh... Yep. yep. How funny! <laughs> and how much? And how much will this set us back? It'll fit the perfectly here. in the uh, book that it came with. Nice. But oh, the sabrents—they they do. They're pretty. Look at these things. Yes. Uh, no, currently, and I expect this is because that there's going to have a new version come out. But in Canada, um, you're you're looking at the better over forty percent off. Uh, so you know, just a hair over two hundred dollars for a one terabyte. The uh, five hundred twelve is not quite as good a deal, but you know, two hundred twenty bucks, one hundred eighty bucks off in Canada. In the states, one hundred and fifty. So oh, it's actually less than half price. Uh, it's PCI 4.0. It's TLC. Don't buy the Sabrent Rocket Q. That's the QLC. It's cheaper. And, well, it's it's QLC. But it's PCIe 4.0. So regardless of if I choose to upgrade to an Intel or an AMD for my next system, I don't think that PCIe 4.0 NVMe drives are going to be obsolete in the next four or five years. Hey, I could be wrong. Might not be. It the sale is going to last forever. Uh, in fact, if you're listening to a recording, it might already be done. And well, I apologize, but you should have been watching us live. It's a ridiculously <laughs> good deal for this. I like. And that. hey, it's the sale is get a nice tin case. Three hours, twenty one minutes, <laughs> and fifty five seconds. Hey, yeah, hurry up! It's not my fault that the sale started earlier this week and is ending on Wednesday. But this is one that I wanted to mention because I looked at that and I'm like, yeah, I can't really justify not buying that because I, I am slowly putting together a new system and honestly, I, this Threadripper is misbehaving, so I need to re-image it. This thing means that I can throw it in there and so that Intel QLC drive to back everything up because I don't want to wait for the QLC drive to write everything for the backup, re-image it, and then throw it all back from this and then put it in storage until... Uh, there's a video card I can buy and decide which processor I'm going to go with. Well, of course it's going to be AMD, right? You got to get that 5000 Series Zen 3 action in there. Get one of those 6800 cards. I need to see the uh, reviews, but I'm very, very tempted. This is one of the reasons I wasn't staying up super early to try and score a 3080. Was, you know, maybe Lisa can pull it off. Dr. Sue has done some incredible things. And from what we saw today, might well be the better buy. 
you know, there's that rumor that uh, 300,000 3080s are going to be released in the wild in uh, in November. 300, yeah, 300,000 3080s. Five of which will make it to Canada. <laughs> yeah. They said, he said the world. He didn't, he didn't say Canada. Yeah. yeah. Brett is next on our list. You have a another sort of creator-focused pick for us this time. It is. It's a uh, Pixel G1. Uh, actually, I have one right here. And I got a couple of them because I needed to take some photos of some different artwork and different uh, devices and things. So I need to take some reasonable pictures. And this has a um, screen in the back. You can see that there. I'm actually going to turn this up a little bit. So you, it actually is full. I know this looks potentially ridiculous because I have it on RGB cycle mode right now. It will cycle through different RGB pictures. But this is settable to um, actually different color temperatures from like about 4,000 to almost 6,000 kelvins, if people know about photography. And it allows you to easily light and dial in your proper lighting to get or dial out uh, effects mm -hmm. or to get the lighting even in a particular room. And it's actually really, really nice and relatively inexpensive for what it does. Um, it's the batteries last a tremendous amount of time. Uh, it's rechargeable while it's running with the uh, USB-C adapter, which um, it uh, comes with a nice extension on that. It's, it's configurable to attach uh, different cameras to it. And the lighting options are literally pretty much endless uh, for any shade of, of color or light correction in Kelvins. And uh, like I said, I pointed out the screen for light intensity as well as temperature. It's a photographer's friend. But possibly even more important, you can turn it around and then use it for powerful mood lighting, like these things behind me, but brighter. Wait, could could I actually oh. use those for uh, oh, for my is, lighting this is, for me? This is absolutely yeah, insane. Yeah. If I turn this on any right now, you want up to eighty five, absolutely hundred Kelvin. It says here. If if I turn this around right now, everyone watching would be blinded. Right, but it looks really good behind you on that to. curtain. You should mount yeah. it to the back of your chair, Brett. Why don't I just mount it to the back of my head? That looks exactly. good. Exactly. That looks great. I want to mount it to the yep. top of my monitor and get better <laughs> lighting for myself because look at this crap. All right. All right. One 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 little taste. Oh, there you go. Oh. It's okay. Hey, the auto the iris will automatically adjust, probably. <laughs> that looks good. I think the the color backlighting is is obviously if you look behind me, I don't love that this is cycling when I want to hook it up to a I don't know. It's a whole thing, but anyway. Uh, so lighting. the the armature no, nice. on this the armature on this uh, swings out. Here, I'll, sh I'll shut this down. The armature for 70 on this bucks, that's yeah. not bad. Now, wait, does it yeah, include like I said, a battery or is that a separate purchase? No, it absolutely includes the battery. Oh, nice. And like I said, you can set it to any color temperature, a variety of video effects. It even has things like storm. You know, if you're shooting a video and you need like lightning effects, you can set it to a color temperature, you know, bright white and and set it against, you know, like your window of a set and like have it do like lightning effects and stuff like that. So it's it's good for video as well as photography. Uh, like I said, a photographer's friend. You know, I had this I don't have this. So I had to simulate there really is such a thing as storm lighting. I had to simulate mm -hmm. that using these light sticks when I did that be quiet. Uh, oh, video yeah. Yeah. Ad. At the beginning, I was like 
I had shaken the plant so it was moving, and then I had the camera I saw go that. by, and yeah. then was having the light change. So it was like it's like a storm, and the wind is blowing the plant. I'll, it, I'll see if I, I can cue up that effect. I, f- I felt like it was worth all the work I did for that one second of video. It was it was. Nice. Have somebody rattling a sh- metal sheet in the background and everything. So here's here's another. You can set the. Let me pull this down a little bit. You can set the hue. Come on, focus. It's not really focusing very well it's, here. It's kind of. It was razor sharp earlier, and it's. Kind I know. Of... Let me pull. Let me put it in a little closer. There we go. There Just we go. did it. You can you yeah. can set the H-C-4 hue and the saturation. Yep, you can set the hue, the saturation, and with the uh, the top uh, rotary dial, you can set the intensity. So it's it's uh, for those familiar with color spectrums, it's it's HSV, hey, which has can, okay. mappings to RGB and 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 such. So it's actually it's like I said, it's really quite uh, helpful for setting the proper mood or lighting in any any scene. So what you're saying is you could dial in the exact PC per colors. That I could sort of darkish gray, blue, and green. Something yeah. I've attempted sort of to do with this L here. Yeah. It's kind of the PC for a Is that what you're going for? I, it just happened that way. Because one of the light strips, it's supposed to be teal, but one of the light strips displays that as blue and the other one is green. That seems wrong. It is wrong, but these are old light strips, and I'm like, you know, I did this this set in like 10 minutes. I think uh, that's it. No live stream next week. We're taking the week off. Should be a slow news week, I hope. Otherwise, maybe I'm a liar. But, you know, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening and or watching. Thank you very much.